Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to episode 12 of MBA Holes. I am half of your co-host, Joe Connors. My counterpart, who's usually here, Mr. Hendrick, is at Irish Weekend in Toronto. And in his place tonight is a familiar voice from Anfield Index, my good buddy from New York City, Justin Wells. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm glad I got to pump the, you know, talk about the many different sports stories that are going on that impact the NBA get a little bit of a, a bunch of things that I know you want to bring us into. Yeah, it's uh, you're basically the perfect for, I'm going to have you on a lot more in the future. Dave and I both are, but it's kind of weird how this worked out because you're basically the perfect person about a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. So what I, what me and Dave usually do is we start with Twitter questions. So I'll just do that right off the bat. Um, first one is from Rick at Ricardino 1892 always gives us really great questions. I appreciate it. He's asking just give the number given the number of games and the lucrative nature of the European market should and will the NBA have more games at European friendly times. I can't I mean I can't really see them doing it on a lot of weeknights but I could see some primetime games coming on you know Saturday and Sunday specifically Sundays at noon because the NBA is pretty good about having early Sunday games giving a full slate of games on Christmas Day is another time where they're pretty good with the European times it's just the nature of the weekday games it's just they start at seven NBA games are notorious for having a ticket that says game will start at seven but tip off is seven fifteen so I, I wouldn't bank on too, too many outside, maybe some weekend games and some, and some marquee matchups going that way. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. It's basically what you said. I think it's impossible to do it during the week. How much audience would you have? At, just take England, for example. What's that? That games will be at noon, at midnight, um, sometimes one in the morning. You can't expect people to stay up that late. It's just too hard. But on the weekends and, and like Christmas Day is huge for the uh, NBA. But, I mean, you never know. It, it, it depends on, like any other sport, it's money. What can bring in money? And if that works, then that then you would see more games at European friendly times. But I do agree with you there. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee that being a huge thing. Even though there is a huge market not only in Europe but even bigger market in China and Asian countries. So, um, our next question is from Ali at Giolino, um, another friend of the pod. He's asking which of Oklahoma City's big three is most likely to take a supporting cast role, Mello, Paul George, or Russell Westbrook? I think I mean, it's... I'll let you go. I usually want to do this. I let Dave talk first because Dave loves to talk. Yeah. So. I would have to think it's PG because, first off, we saw last year with Westbrook's incredible usage rate that like he is an amazing on-ball player. Uh, the one thing that, I mean, it all depends on what you, what you understand or call a supporting role. Um, I mean, I usually like to define that as just, uh, the amount of shots you're going to get in a game. Um, Carmelo Anthony takes a lot of shots. That's kind of the value of having him is his, his one true elite skill is scoring. So 
he 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 would be on the he'd be on the on the court as a, as a scorer and he doesn't really offer you a ton else although they are going to play him closer to the basket he's definitely going to play the power forward there which is probably his best position but i think pg just because of the fact that his game is a lot of it just the grit and defensive stats i think he's the one that's most likely to add a ton of value but also then be seen as a supporting player yeah i think you're right there but I don't. I don't like if they do that. I think Mello should be the, the supporting cast role, and if he can play like, because um, Mello has as, as a, a, we should say Justin's a New York Knicks fan, so he's very familiar with with Carmelo Anthony. Um, if Mello plays like Olympic Mello, because he has like 18 different personalities, and he can just stand and shoot threes, and he's never going to play defense. Um, like you said, he, he probably will have a role closer to the rim if he's going to play power forward. But if he could just stay and shoot threes. And let Paul George and Russ be Russ, and Paul George be Paul George. That team's going to be really good. Now they have no depth to the team whatsoever, but I mean, I I, I can't see Melo taking that step back just because of he's Carmelo Anthony. He has a massive ego. Um, he's never had to do it before anywhere he's ever been. But you're probably right, Just. But I just I don't think that it would be best for the team. But the one thing there, though, is I think PG is the one of those three that uh, relies least on being a total black hole with the ball to have success. He is better at sharing the ball than uh, Westbrook and no Melo. Question. Yeah, no question about that. Russell Westbrook is a – I mean, last year – again, last year he averaged a triple-double, and they still weren't a good team. So you don't have to – it's just it's all about your teammates. And Russell Westbrook shared the ball when uh, Kevin Durant was there, maybe not as much as – a lot of people said he should have. I'm a massive Russell Westbrook fan, so maybe I'm jaded in that. But he he, he can tend to, as we say, ball hog. Um, so we'll see how it works out. It's definitely something that it's going to be either it's either going to work really well or it's going to be an absolute nightmare. There's really no gray area there. Um, next question comes from Biggie at Manila Scalzer, another big friend of the show. Um, and I didn't mean that any pun intended, my friend. Um, he's asking predictions for the eighth seeds in both conferences. Ooh. Yeah, it's a random one. So I, I looked at it real quick, and I, I'm going to go with – I'll do the Eastern because I really, truly believe the Sixers aren't going to go any higher than the eighth seed. Um, and I'm a gigantic Sixers fan. But the team hasn't played together. It's going to take a while, even though I think they're going to be really good. But this year I'm going to say they're going to be – they're going to be the eighth in the East. And the West was a little bit trickier. Um, it's real difficult because maybe Utah, maybe the Denver Nuggets. Um, the West is so much better. So I'm going to say one of those two teams. Yeah, I have to definitely agree with you in the West. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. It is going to be one of those mountain teams, Denver or Utah. Uh, could see Utah taking the step back just because of losing Hayward. Like that, he is he is a he is a great player, but he is not the most important player. That to me, Gobert, because you yes. literally can't score on them if he, uh, down the down the lane. He's the best defensive big in the game, and that really does save a lot. Um, but I could see I could I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Utah there, and then I'm gonna go within the East. I think probably Miami. Oh, okay. So you do have my Sixers out of the I think this. I think the right. I think the Sixers are going to finish. I think the Sixers are going to finish probably around the five or six seed. Health dependent on Joel Embiid. Of course, yeah, and I'm all about that. I just, I mean, I, I think Ben Simmons is going to dominate this year. I, Embiid will dominate, like you said, if he if he stays healthy, and that's unfortunately so far in his career is a big if. Um, but. I'm be, I'm positive. I'm going to try and be positive. And I, yeah, I they've to, they've useful well, NBA they've useful NBA depth for the first time since the process started. I mean yeah. JJ JJ Redick. Uh, you know I think they're 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 twin towering the Okafors. Yeah, I think Okafor is going to be gone by the time the season yeah. starts. Um, but you know you're right. They do have depth. Rob, like depth. The, uh, Robert, Robert Covington's good. Yeah, Dario Saric is a very good player. Yeah, so they they do have NBA players. Yeah. Um, so you're going to go with the Heat. I went with the Sixers, and we both basically picked Utah for the West. Um, next question is from Alvin Aloysius Mack at the same at, and he's asking, who finishes as a number two seed in the West? And he's saying Golden State's going to be number one, barring a catastrophic injury, which I think you and I would both agree with. But who do you think finishes number two at West? Um, 
I would probably say it's currently configured Houston. Okay. Uh, first off, I, I love the CP3 hardened backcourt. Uh, I think that there's enough def- I think there's enough scoring through the rest of the team, and they were they were they're not going to play any defense, but they're gonna they're gonna score a lot. I think they're like the, the perfect Western Conference all go during the regular season and flame out in the beginning of the playoffs against a lesser opponent team. Yeah, that Rockets backcourt. See, it's weird because one of the topics we're going to talk about tonight is who are our current top 10 point guards in the NBA. And if you want this by last year, James Harden was, of course, one of the best point guards in the league, but now he's not a point guard. So I don't know how you only play basketball one ball. That's the only thing that concerns me with that team. So just to be different, I'll say Oklahoma City goes number two. Um, the Spur- I love the Spurs. I love Greg Popovich. I love Kawhi Leonard. But they didn't add anything. And the Marcus Aldridge is an awful fit there. So I don't know how they get better. So I'm going to say Oklahoma City with their three. Um, and I, I don't think it's out of the – I don't think it's inconceivable that Houston finishes second, second either, but I need to see that backcourt can work before I say anything else about it. Because I, I, and I'm not a Chris Paul fan. I'll be the first one to admit that he's a great player. I just don't like the way he plays. Um, but I understand where you're going with that. And I think we have one more question. Let me get to it. Actually, we have two more. There's another one from Rick Ricardinho, 1892. Um, and I'll, I'll say his question, but I know you and I want to talk about this just, so we'll just, we'll wait for the, the answer. But he's, if he's, he's asking what happens to the NCAA following yet another college basketball scandal. So we are going to talk about this. It is going to be a topic we're going to, Justin and I are going to talk about. So we'll just wait there. And the last question is from a really good friend of mine. Um, we've been friends since we were five years old and it's Mike Osher at Mike Osher 81. And he's asking, which surprise teams from each conference that could maybe win a playoff series in either in either conference, Eastern or Western? Ooh, surprise teams that could win a playoff series in each conference? Yeah. Uh, it is a question. In the East, the Philadelphia East. 76ers. Okay. Uh, I won't disagree there. The, the reason I say that is because if you look about who, the, like, thinking about where I pra- raise the Sixers right now and who they're going to, who they might play against, they'd be like, you know, I think like a 3 6 series. Yeah, they'd have a. Ch- I think you know if you look at the, the three seeds, it'd be someone like Toronto or Washington or Milwaukee, and all those teams have you know some flaws that a that a big, long, athletic team can exploit because they're all pretty much big, long, athletic teams, and in those types of track meets, realistically, anything could happen. So I'm going with the Sixers because I'm just assuming what I think the middle of the East that that three, four, five looks like. Okay. And then in the West, I don't know. I, I don't see anybody beating one of the top four seeds in the West. That's kind of the problem. It's, yeah, it's just, I, I it, it, there's such a drop off. I mean, I guess the only team I'll give any sort of credit to in that situation might be Memphis. Okay. I was thinking Minnesota, unless you put them in your top four, um, which you easily, you, I mean, you definitely could, but I wasn't sure where you had Minnesota at. You're away. They're a year, I think I think Minnesota's a year away from ascending to the elite in the Western Conference. I think that they're so on the right path. They've built such a great I think they've built such a great core. I think that they need to go towards that. Um because also just how strong the teams are at the top of the Western Conference. I think they need to go through that one year of testing themselves against those teams to kind of see what it takes to become one of those more elite teams. But with the level of talent there after they test themselves. And Jimmy Butler will help bring that there, but uh, yeah, I think that it just needs to be uh, – I think they're a year away from that. So I'll throw a scenario out. If they finish – let's say they finish third. Or I'm sorry, they finish sixth and they play the third seed. Could they be the third seed next year if it's Oklahoma City or Houston? Yeah, conceivably. Wouldn't shock me. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat there. And, again, I like your sixer shot in the east. Um the only other team, and it depends on where they would finish, and I'm not even sure how good they are, but Milwaukee with Giannis, um, it, but it depends on who they play. If they finish, I don't think they could beat Cleveland. I don't think they could beat Boston, and that's basically your 1-2, however way you want to put it in the East. 
but yeah, your Sixers shout is a really is uh, not going to. I'm definitely not going to argue with that. And can I, I mean? I guess the question with also the Bucks is, I think that they'll. I think the deeper that they'll go is all going to be predicated upon whether or not Jabari Parker can actually make it through a full NBA season. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. And what Justin's talking about is he's had two ACL surgeries on the same knee now. And yeah. that just when you're a basketball player, I mean when you're any sports player, but when you're a basketball player and all you do is run up and down a court, it, you know, your knees just can't keep taking that pounding. So that's that's a good very good point. His ga- I mean his game Parker's game can I guess can survive because it's not incredibly above the rim, but still that's it's a lot of knee surgeries. Yeah, it is a lot of knee surgeries and it's Again, you're right. His, his game is definitely not above the rim, but he, he can't be stiff, you know, and, and he doesn't play defense to begin with. So that is a good shout on your part. Uh, before we get into the meat of what we're going to talk about, I did. D Wade was released or, or bought out. Dwayne Wade was bought out by Chicago and ended up signing with Cleveland, which was not very surprising. But I wanted your, your thoughts on that if you had any. I mean, that Cleveland team is a lock to win the 2011 NBA championship. <laughs> Between Derrick Rose, uh, Derrick Rose, LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, that, that's a lot of players who were, I mean, at least two of them were not. The problem with, with Wade is he's, I mean, he's always injured a little bit. He's always a little bit banged up. Even when he's playing healthy, he's a little bit banged up. But he doesn't need to carry that much of the load there. He's not going to need to go out. If he can, if you can go out and get 15 points a night over the course of about you know, 25 minutes of Dwayne Wade destroying second teams, it's a worthwhile signing, especially for $2.5 million. Yeah, it's for one year. It's it's minimal risk. They, the guys love each other. And like you said, if they can just limit him, because he can't play 82 games anymore, he probably can't play 65 games anymore because he is always hurt. And, you know, he's an older basketball player, and he's a future Hall of Famer, but he's not a future Hall of Famer right now. So, I mean, it – it makes sense for them. They have Isaiah Thomas coming in, who God knows when he's going to play after the hip surgery. Um, people said November. Some people said December. Uh, we'll see. You know, hip surgery is not exactly a, a small thing. But um, I want to move on to the Carmelo Anthony trade. And before you talk about it, um, I'll, I'm going to give Dave's opinion because Dave feels that he, he actually tells me, don't let let me finish before you react. He says, don't let Justin suggest that the Knicks got anything other than Dick and the Mellow trade. And they really didn't get anything for it. And I do agree with him there. But on the other side of the coin, for me, if, if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm happy to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. You needed to move on. It probably should have happened a couple years ago at the very minimum. I believe he still has a gigantic contract. So you got that off your books. Now your team is surrounded and your team is Porzingis. So you have something to still start with. You're still the New York Knicks. The NBA is a better product when you're a good team. So if you look at it from that way, I don't have a problem with just getting Anus Cantor and a, a draft pick. I have no issue with that. But I understand what they're saying. But what were you expected to get when everybody knew he didn't want to be there? So I'll let you have your say. I was expecting a garbage one or an early two and two players or a player or two of of, of mediocre value uh, on on terrible contracts. And I didn't expect to really have a choice because of the fact that Mello was only going to take a trade to two or three teams and he, and he had a full trade. Plus, there is also the one other thing about the New York Knicks, which New York Knicks fans have just become accustomed to, which is terrible decision making. So the idea is I didn't have any faith that they, for me, it's not even the faith that they, about them not even getting something for Melo. I'm actually just glad that they found a taker and a trade for him because the big thing for me was just, this is the Knicks. They're going to screw this up and keep an unhappy player on the books who, you know, is probably just not going to play that hard and get hurt midway through the season with a fake injury. Because that's where it was going, Mello. Like the the, the relationship was destroyed by Phil Jackson. And look, I get that Phil's not there anymore, but still, the relationship was totally destroyed by Phil. Uh, he cut he cut off all all allies and organ and con- and like organizational trust that Mello had. So it was going to end ugly. It wasn't going to end well. Uh, the resolution itself was a lot less sloppy than I thought it would be. 
Would I have liked to have gotten more? Yeah, but it's the Knicks trading a player who doesn't want to be there with a full no-trade clause and a huge contract. It's There wasn't much that they were going to be able to get, pull for him. That other t- because these are also contenders that he's trying to get to too, so they're not going to give up pieces that are going to that are going to say, "Here's something that'll help you win." Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I and I, I get where you guys are both coming from, but I'm more in your boat because you're you're in between the rock and a hard place. Like people know he, people, the whole league knows he doesn't want to be there. Then everybody knows the Knicks don't want him anymore. You're just not going to get anything really great for him. That's that's the way it is. Yeah, no. So, you know, it is what it is, but I guess my, my, my other question to you is, it's hard to answer this probably right now, but are you at least happy with way the, the direction your Knicks are going? Uh, you know what? It's not a question of happy. It's a question of are they finally going to try to do this the right way, which is get a core through the draft and then use free agencies to supplant a piece instead of just trying to build through free agency and signing terrible contracts that nobody wants to trade for. Because realistically, to build a good team, you need to be a, you need to have all three organizational options like available to you to build a team. Free agency, trades, and draft. The Knicks have been terrible at free agency, leaving them no room to tr- for, for draft pick for uh, for being you know for any pieces to trade on reasonable contracts. And then when they do make a trade, when they did make trades in the past, they had to leverage first round picks. So they'd have a terrible season, not have a first rounder and have terrible contracts on the book. The fact that they're at least starting to pull away from that a little bit. And I mean, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract is kind of a terrible contract, but at least he's a youngish player who can play. Yeah. So he's an NBA player. So he's an NBA player. Yeah. But he's he, an NBA player. Yeah. So, like, the idea is they're sort of in the right direction, but I still don't trust the, the overall decision-making. And is that because of Dolan, the owner, I'm guessing? That's pretty much what it's always going to come down to. I yeah, think that the one person he finally said he'd walk away and take his hands off for was Phil Jackson, who it turns out was an incompetent idiot. Yes, he was. Yeah, he definitely was. You cannot question that. He was a fucking idiot. And he resigned and left them high and dry. And, and listen... I'm a gigantic Sixers fan, but I want to see I want to see all the teams do well, but I want to see the original teams do well. New York, whether you like it or not, any all the New York teams should be competitive. It's just the way it should be. Their fan bases are really good. They're diverse. There's so many teams in New York, and, and it, it does kind of pain me that like my team's on the rise, and I'm still looking at the Knicks going, this is the same shit like 15 years ago. And they didn't change anything, and it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a basketball fan to have to watch that. So, all right, let's move on. Um, I know you got to vent about that. So, we just had, I guess this was breaking yesterday, which is the college basketball scandal, Louisville and Rick Pitino. It, it's it's not. I'll just say this: it, it's not something that people don't know about. But now the FBI is involved, and you can make of that of what you will, um, why they're getting involved now, why it took so long. Because paying players at colleges and funneling money into families to get their kid to sign at certain schools has been going on and is still going on in all major college athletics, college football, college basketball. Um any any sport that brings the university money, they're going to pay to get good kids. It happens all the time. And Bettino, for him to say he doesn't know about it, is just ridiculous. So what do you think about this whole thing, Justin? I don't think we should question the judgment of a man who was uh, definitely caught having sex on <laughs> restaurant bathrooms. Uh, you know, he makes he seems like a guy who makes good decisions. Of course. Rick Pitino's crooked. The entire thing is crooked. It's what actually makes me respect John Calipari more. He's the least cynical about it. So his pitch is basically just, I know you're going to get to the NBA. You have to be here for a year. You help me, I'll help you. Like, yeah. that pitch is cynical, but it's probably it's probably the most honest of all of this is he knows what every single one of these, these guys is going in there for. Like, there are certain levels of hypocrisy amongst all of it. Um, like, I know that all of these guys are getting paid. It doesn't matter where they are. Uh, t- this top talent, and it might not necessarily be with, in some instances with the coach's knowledge. I like, I do see, I do think that some of these guys, these coaches are squeaky clean, but 
at these big schools that are trying to that are going for guys who think that they're you know they're getting to the uh, the NBA, they're they're taking money. And, yeah, and I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I just think it's and I think it's cynical for a for a coach to say that he doesn't know what's going on because especially in Patino's case, um, doesn't exactly have the cleanest reputation to begin with. He doesn't, and you know you look at schools like college football, like Alabama. If you can tell me with a straight face that Alabama's not cheating, I, I'm, it, I don't know how you could. I mean, it, it's these big schools; it's what they do. It needs to be changed. But I'm going to piggyback off this a little bit and and ask you: Would would it make a difference? Because I'm a big Jay Billis fan. I think you know who Jay Billis is. Um, I like Billis. Yeah, Billis is a great. I think he's a fantastic college basketball analyst. He played at Duke, and he's very outspoken about one topic in particular that I really agree with, and that is paying the athletes at the schools money. Because if it's okay, it's a it's hypocrisy that you can make money off these kids, but they can't make money there. And people will give me the while well, they're getting a free education. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. These kids are privileged, and it's not their fault. Yeah, that's the way that that's the way that they're made out to be. So, do you think by paying them, I'm not saying they have to make NBA or or, or contracts and professional, but do you think if they those kids actually got paid and could provide for their families, that all this shoe company bullshit that's going on, that like Adidas and Nike, and they're the ones who started this whole, hey, we'll send your kid there, we can send this kid here because we basically control them with the shoes. Do you think that would stop? If the universities would just say, hey, you know what? Fuck this. Let's pay these kids and let's, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it out in the open. We're going to give them some kind of, whether you want to call it a stipend or whatever. Would that change the way what's going on right now? Yeah, I, I think that it, I, I think that it would change some of it for the better. There, you're always going to find one or two, you're always going to find one or two people who are going to try to bend it way beyond what's allowed, right? But sure. I think that it will, change things for the better because what's the whole thing that the NCA doesn't allow? It doesn't allow them, these kids to have jobs. There, yep. Even if it did, if you look at like a, a really top level division one football or basketball player, when would they even have the time for a job? Like they have, uh, they have so many responsibilities during season, like during, you know, spring football or fall captain's practices for basketball. Like these guys are basically there to play basketball or football. That's, that's what they're there for. Uh, yeah. money, money's made off of them. And like, you know, Joe, you obviously know by political leanings, they're pretty much towards the fact that I think exploitation is bad. So I think if people are making billions, and, and that's what college sports are, they're billion dollar industries off of this, maybe you should actually give a little bit of, you know, the profits to the people who actually make the products anything worthwhile. Yeah. And I think one of the things you just said there, you hit it. Nail on head. They're businesses, and people don't real. I mean, some people are just so caught up in the sport that they don't realize that college tuition is a joke. Everybody who's went to college or any university knows that getting college money is damn near impossible unless you're just flat broke, and then even then you're not getting a full ride. And that's that's the kids like me and you. Like I, I went to basketball and I got a scholarship, but. I am nowhere near as good as any of these kids that you and I are talking about. Never was, never will be. But again, it's just, you know, it's, they make all this money off them. You should be sharing some of it with these players. Um, Actually, Shad Khan donated a million dollars to Donald Trump. Oh, that's horrendous. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He's an immigrant to this country. That's even, well, I guess whatever makes him more money. So Donald Trump, what people need to realize why he does this, because he's good at one thing, and it's deflecting. He fails at everything in the White House. He's failed now, what, three health bills, Just Help me out here. It's, uh, they failed, they failed healthcare three times. Three um, times. He's had his travel ban set back twice, so he just decided yep. to make it more arbitrary this week. Um, he's not particularly good at the whole governing thing. Yes. And so what he does is he attacks the NFL to take the, limelight off of this stuff that he doesn't do right so what these players are doing I, first i want to know because I, I, I do think this is going to carry into the nba 
which the NBA, I think, I mean, I love the NFL, but I just think the NBA is better run. I think the players are closer. Um, I think the league lets them obviously be the players. They let them be who they are. There's no smoke and mirrors. There's none of this bullshit. But I want to hear from you. How do you feel about this kneeling stuff, this holding hand stuff, and Trump's influence? And is this going to continue into the NBA? And, and when does this stop, Justin? Well, I think there is one thing, though. There's one lead, I think, you buried in, in, in the uh, the story, which is the other thing about Donald Trump is the fact that he is actually a total piece of shit racist. Um, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there, that, that is entirely true. I mean... He he dealt, he actually took out a full page ad in the New York Times calling for the reinstatement of the death penalty after the Central Park Five, who are five teenagers when they were arrested, who were put into prison for a crime that they didn't commit for twenty years. And Donald Trump, uh, at the time of the crime, took out a full page ad in the New York Times calling for the reinstatement of the death penalty against them. So you know, it, and he had also been sued for, for uh, you know federal housing discrimination in the early 70s. So it's not exactly as if my claims on this aren't, are like, you know, of him being a total piece of shit racist, just trying to rile up a base to distract people. I don't think that that really serves the story well enough, but he does do these things to distract people from the fact that he's terrible at what he's doing. It works in some instances, it doesn't. But the whole thing with this kneeling and anthem thing is... Colin Kaepernick wouldn't have had to kneel or probably would be standing up through the anthem now if, you know, an earnest conversation about police brutality in America was actually entered into rather than people just draping themselves in the in the flag to excuse basically hideous institutional racism in America. Yeah, and I, I can't disagree with that. I actually totally agree with it. And I think a lot of people either don't realize or like Colin Kaepernick took the stand before Donald Trump was in office. I mean, over a year and a half, I believe, before. So what Donald Trump, uh, you're right, he's a racist piece of shit. I didn't vote for him. I hate him. I hate that he's the leader of our country. Um, so do you think this is going to keep continuing in the NBA? I mean, how, how bad is this going to get? So it's funny because this did happen in the NBA once with Mahmoud al-Raouf, who, as a uh, as a protest against U.S. bombings in the Muslim world, refused to stand for the anthem in, in Denver when he was a Nugget. And it, oh, oh, before you go any further, tell people what his name was before he was Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Chris, you want to touch on that? Chris Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. But he uh, he changed his name. He converted to Islam, and he. He protested the national anthem to protest U.S. bombing of the of the Muslim world. Um, I, I, you know, regardless of what your stance is on the U.S. military, there is the truth that the U.S. has spent large portions of the last thirty years bombing the Muslim world, mm-hmm. and he protested it, and he was effectively excommunicated from the NBA. Since then, the NBA has gotten better about allowing their players more room to grow. I mean, I think, I think part of it is just the recognition of the fact that it, it's a significantly blacker league. So if oh, they were going to sit there and alienate their entire, you can't sit there and alienate the, your entire player base that much and, and have a product that anybody's going to want to watch. But so what, what happens if an owner comes out and says, like you said, this is basically, I mean, I would say 99% black league. What happens if an owner comes out and says, hey, you guys aren't doing this. You have to stand. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. I'm paying you. You're an employee. Do you look at that as modern day slavery or an owner protecting his, his brand? Um. I view it as an owner protecting his brand. I think that the bigger issue is why the fuck are we even playing the national anthem before sporting events? Because we're not going to war. But uh... I don't like it either. But unfortunately, it is part of our pastime now. Those things could be changed, but as of right now, we still do that. I think it all depends on which player would be the one to do it too. Uh, plenty of people would would, would uh, you know. If it's like, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of uh, a pretty marginal NBA. Like if it's uh, Chasson Randall uh, or, you know, a guy who's not really who's on the fringes of an NBA roster. And like I'm not even talking about a player of like Kaepernick's caliber because I think Kaepernick is actually good enough to play in the NFL at this moment. Um, He's better than the quarterbacks that are some of the teams right now. He's better than any of the quarterbacks on the team I have. 
Um, or the, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Or the Chicago Bears, or yeah. probably a few others. But. Uh, but I think if it's LeBron James, who, by the way, or, or Steph Curry, who, by the way, have both taken shots at exactly why, uh, what Trump is doing is, uh, like, he, he, those two were the two who instigated this getting worse was, uh, was Curry and LeBron. The NBA isn't going to take shots at Curry and LeBron. That is bad for their brand. You definitely don't call out, you know, the people who have won three of your four or less MVPs, one of whom is your greatest shooter of all time, one of whom is one of your five best players of all time. So where do you stand on the whole thing as just to tie up the conversation? What do you think this should stop? Or are you indifferent? I know how we both feel about Donald Trump. And I don't want to make it all a political conversation, but do you think this just keeps continuing? I, I feel bad for the players who are kneeling in earnest of the conversation about uh, police violence that they want to have, because the entire thing's become co-opted into some sort of overly sanitized bullshit point about unity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that does anybody any good. Um, I, 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 I generally just, I, I cannot be bothered about caring about other people's views on on. on how they feel about a protest if it makes them feel uncomfortable it's supposed to it's a protest like nobody's nobody's supposed to like nobody's supposed to like the subject in a or find it comfortable the subject of debate in a protest on either on the and this is i hate this i hate this term on either side but it's on either side because the side that feels aggrieved feels like they're not getting enough attention towards the problem and they're only feel like their only means to get it out there is protest and it's uncomfortable because it's unpopular at the time. And the side that's being protested against feels uncomfortable because of the fact that they don't necessarily want to be uh, introspectively looked at for their behavior. But I'm with the players who are kneeling because ultimately, if you think about it, if we're talking about the concept of racism, what's worse? Actually having racist acts perpetrated against you or being accused of racism? It's having racist acts perpetrated against you. So I'm always going to take that side. Yeah, I just, I mean, the whole thing to me, it's just about racial inequality and I don't know. I just white people, you can't get into other people's shoes. It's just, you can't do it. And if somebody wants to protest, like you said, it, the whole point of that is to make you feel uncomfortable to make awareness. And I have a lot of these people who were saying, Oh, you got to keep sports and politics aside. I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I, if you have a platform to do something and to do something good, then I think you should do it. And and if it helps the human race as, as to make us better, to make us understand the, all each other, I mean, I'm an interracial I'm, – I'm, I myself am in an interracial marriage. Justin is about to be – is in an interracial relationship and will be married soon. So, like, I have kids already. You're going to have kids too. Like, how is that going to – it's just scary when my kids get older – they're going to look at them and go, well, you're Asian, but you're also white. Well, I don't want my kids to be made fun of. And you're going to have the same thing. So it's just – it's very sad that we are even having this conversation, still having this conversation. And I'm not really sure what else to say about that. So if you want to add anything else, feel free. And if not, I will move on to the next topic, Justin. Yeah, I don't really have that much else to add, but I do want to bring up the fact that Adam Silver did come out with a statement today on this. So, and Adam Silver is a pretty lucky guy that Donald Trump rescinded the, uh, the Golden State Warriors, uh, invitation instead of the, instead of the Warriors not showing up. That is, (laughs) that, that, that's, uh, that's a free play. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is just, he's, he's a joke is what he is. I mean, that's, he's a lot of things, but when it comes down to it, he's basically just a parody and I, it, it, I'll never understand how he became president. So. Let's go on to something a little lighter before we, we probably say stuff we don't want to. Um, I'm going to do a top 10 of basically every position. And when I played hoops, and I still play a little bit here and there, but when I played in college, I was a point guard. So I decided to do current point guards a top 10 list. And if you want to go first, just go right ahead. All right, well, my 10th favorite point guard in the NBA is, is, is Kyrie Irving. And I realize that it's basically on that tip of the fact where is Kyrie really a point guard or not? Uh, I think he's a pri- he, he's he's been a primary ball handler for a large portion of his career, save when LeBron was there, where him were just basically where him and LeBron just effectively traded usage. Um, I really like his game. I think he's 
much more of a finisher than an initiator of an offense. And I think he works at his best where there's other good tools in the offense rather than be the type of guy who will make everybody in the offense hum and better. But Kyrie Irving is where I start at the uh, the number 10 spot. The uh, the number 9 guy I have in my list is Mike Conley. Uh, just a solid all-around point guard. Does everything does everything really well, but doesn't do anything particularly great. Um, I think he's probably the best player in the NBA who's never been an all-star. Agreed. Yeah. I actually totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the next guy at number 8 is Kyle Lowry. Uh, consistently good point guard for consistently good teams, but never... Never, if he's your best player, you're you're not going to win a title. But I totally agree with that. He is actually. I don't know if you listened to last week's pod. Kyle Lowry is a new neighbor of mine. Really? Has not moved in yet, but bought a house, uh, two houses down from mine, which is really cool. I don't know how much he'll be there because he's going to be playing in Toronto for the next three years. But he is a Philly kid. Um, we're about. 35 minutes, 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia. So, yeah, he's a new neighbor. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I've, I've decided between two guys at my next spot, which is effectively the, uh, you know, is it Kemba Walker or is it Ricky Rubio? Okay. Uh, very, 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 very different players. Very, very different players. One of whom's only, once again, the only value he really has is shooting. The other one, his value is... Basically, def- defense, playmaking on the ball. Um, in a pin- I'm, I'm going to put Walker ahead of Rubio because in a pinch, I like the guy who can go out and get me a bucket more than I like the guy who can go out and find someone else to get me a bucket, uh, wh- especially when it comes to running my- running an offense. But I'm a big fan of both players. I think Ricky Rubio is an entirely underrated player. Yeah, Dave, Dave would be uh, hugging you over Skype right now. Um, I think he's a good player. Uh, I could see why you guys say he's underrated, but he just can't shoot. And he does everything else well. Uh, he's very good defensively. He's a great creator. And, you know, maybe it doesn't matter that he can't shoot because point guards nowadays, I guess it's a little different. But old school point guards, he's exactly what you would want. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at number six right now, right? Yes. All right. So my number six guy is Isaiah Thomas. Uh this is assuming a lot of, this is assuming health, but what he's done the last two years in Boston's been nothing short of incredible. Uh, it, it's not only just that he fills up the statute, both scoring and assists, but he does so extremely efficiently. And for a guy for his size, he's absolutely fearless. The one issue with him is just his size. He's too small. Yeah. He's going to take small. a beating. Yeah, and he does. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the next guy down on my list is Damian Lillard. Uh, I'm a big Damian Lillard fan. The only thing that you can't really, the only thing that he doesn't do particularly well, and this is kind of a a common theme with a lot of NBA point guards at the moment, is he just doesn't defend, but can create his own shot, can create shots for others. Uh, part of I think the best back, the you know, the the one of the top two backcourts in the NBA between. Uh, you know, Portland and Houston, because I love CJ McCollum too. Yeah, he's a very good player. Very, very good player. Yeah. So that brings us to number four for me right now. That's Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, I think he's a player who's on a slight decline. I think he's been incredible at points in his career, but I'm just not a, a big fan of his last few seasons. There's also the fact that, you know, he's come with some durability concerns lately. He is, on the other hand, very differently than a lot of the other guys and probably the three guy, the three guys I have ahead of him, a much better defender. He's actually, he's actually a really good defender. He's a very good defender. Puts on, per- puts on great ball pressure, uh, handles, handles the pick and roll well. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, the third best guy in the league is John Wall. We're we're actually going. I'm not going to say anything else, but you and I are heading in the same direction. I think here. Yeah, the third best guy in the league is John Wall. Overall athleticism. Um, one of the two guys ahead of him is just the better version of him. Yes. But uh, Wall does everything pretty well. The except, I mean, he's a good but not great shooter. He's a good but not great defender. He is an elite. He's an elite passer. He is incredible in transition. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he really is. He's I I love John Wall. Yeah. Love his game. Yeah. The next guy, the next two guys it's kind of funny cuz either cuz uh I mean, 
I'll tell you who it is. It's Curry and Westbrook. Yep. But, but the idea is it, it, they're kind of in that, you know, Kyrie Irving type of player type of thing where they, they are kind of tweeners, but they're, uh, they're tweeners, but they both can do everything that their offense needs a point guard to do, which in strangely enough, in the case of Oklahoma City is, uh, Westbrook to not pass. I was kidding. He averaged a triple double. He obviously passed the ball last season. <laughs> yeah. But I, I give Curry the nod over Westbrook just because I think that he, uh, unfairly has better teammates. That's really where it comes to. It's, and, and, and his one elite skill plays better than Westbrook's one elite skill, which is Curry's ability to, shoot from literally anywhere uh, makes it a lot easier for him to get buckets than Westbrook, who has to go max effort to do it. Yeah, no, I, I love your list. And it's a lot of mine's a lot similar. So I'll start at one. And I obviously want Steph Curry um, for a lot of the reasons you just said. But I think one of the big underrated things that people maybe don't realize that he's so good at is he's such a good dribbler. Uh, he can get his shot off so quickly. He's my number one. Also, What's really good for continuity. Doesn't 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 lose his dribble in stupid spots or pick up in stupid spots. He's exactly. pretty. He's really smart, especially down the baseline. And I don't. I don't think that. And that's exactly what I was. I was. What I was going with is I don't think people give that enough credit because you. What's the first thing you think of when you think of Steph Curry? Shooting threes from everywhere. That's exactly right. And but he has that kind of game where he can he can create his own shot because he can dribble so well. So. He's my number one. Westbrook is definitely my number two. I, I love West, Russell Westbrook's game. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, John Wall is my number three. Another one of my favorite. I've never seen a player, maybe just Russell Westbrook, and I don't even know if he's faster. With the ball in their hand, they are just lightning. Um, so John Wall is my three. My four, I actually went with Kyrie Irving. Um, and I think he's going to show a lot of people that he can run an offense in Boston as much as that pains me to say, they're obviously a rival of the Sixers. Um, but he was in LeBron's shadow, you know, and it, he can't really do anything about that. But I think that's going to change. He's a Duke guy. I, I do like – I love his game. He hits clutch baskets. The only reason that Cleveland was in those series, those finals, and won the one was because – I mean, LeBron was LeBron. But Kyrie Irving was – they couldn't stop. He, he destroyed Golden State in all three of those series. Uh, so he's my four. My five is Dame Lillard. I love him. Um, just, just absolutely love his game. Uh, Chris Paul, I put, and again, I'm, 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 you can call me a Chris Paul hater. I probably am. He's my number six. I just, I've never liked him. He's never won anything. I know he's a great point guard. I just, I'm not a fan. Uh, number seven for me is Kyle Lowry. Um, and it was basically a toss up. I think basically what you did between him and Mike Conley. So Lowry is my, what did I say, sixth? Yeah, Conley is my seventh. Um, number eight, uh, it's got to be Isaiah Thomas. Um, I couldn't put him any higher than that. Part of it was what you said is he's hurt all the time, and part of it is he plays absolutely no defense. And if you're on my team, you have to play defense, or you're just a you're just a liability. You're just going to get attacked. If you score 35 points a game but give up 30, well, you know that's that's not you know the numbers aren't really good there. You're a plus five. That's horrendous. So he's my eight. Uh, my number nine, uh, and Dave will be happy to listen to this. I did go with Ricky Rubio. I joked with him. He was the 20th best point guard. He got mad at me, but I'm just kidding. Um, I do like his game a lot. So he was number nine. And number 10 was a toss-up between Kemba Walker um, and Eric Bledsoe. And I went with Bledsoe. Um, I don't like that he's hurt a lot, but he can score. Uh, and for the 10th best point guard in the league, I would go with him. I thought about Goran Dragic, who I do like for Miami. He's got good game as well. Dragic is the other guy I could think of who is as good on the baseline keeping his dribble as uh, yes. Chris Paul. Yeah, oh, and Chris Paul. Yeah, both of them. He I mean, sorry, I meant, I, meant, I meant Curry, but Chris Paul does that too. Yeah, I thought you meant Curry. Yeah. Dragic is very good at it. You're right. Um, but I had to go with my number 10 as Eric Blood. So, um, so. Every time we do these shows, Dave and I, and now Justin, we like to pick uh, any NBA superstar. It could be somebody who's playing now. It could be somebody who's retired. Um, and tonight, I decided to go with one of my – I think he's the best power forward ever, I would say. There's um, no question that he's retired. the best power forward ever. 
Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. And you can maybe make a case for certain guys, but I still don't think anybody is past him. And the guy I picked tonight is Tim Duncan. Um, recently retired last year, the San Antonio Spurs. He played his whole career from 97 to 2016 with the San Antonio Spurs. He was the first pick in the 1997 draft. He is from the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. Croix, which a lot of people do not know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Justin probably knew that, but a lot of people do not know that. Uh, Five-time NBA champion, 99, 03, 05, 07, and 14. Three-time NBA Finals MVP, two-time regular season MVP, 15-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA First Team, eight NBA All-Defensive First Teams. I could go on and on and on about this guy. Justin, what does he mean to you? How good was Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan's my favorite player who's ever lived, right? I know I'm a New York Knicks fan. It should be Patrick Ewing, given the time at which I was a, uh, uh, you know, I I grew up and I I am a fan. But Tim Duncan's the best player I think I've seen. Uh, You know, he's just perfect in the post. Basically, you know, you get him the ball in the, you got him in the ball in the low post or, you know, the block extended, two dribbles, over one shoulder, over the other, off the bank, off the, off the backboard, just turns, turn, takes his head down, just runs on defense, basically saying, like, I got this. Didn't need to be flashy, never was flashy, but just, uh, really, really, an- just annihilated teams. Yeah, he, one of the, his nickname was the Big Fundamental, which he got from Shaq. Um, he was a, a quiet guy, but he was one of the biggest shit talkers, complainers um, on the court, which I don't have a problem with because that's the way the game's played. Basically, every high-level game is played like that. Um, Tim Duncan, like we said, is the best power forward ever. Averaged 19 points a game, almost 11 rebounds. And that... And that 19 is dragged down by several seasons in his career at the end where he didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was a part-time player. Remember all the times he rested at the end? Um, I'm on record as saying, and I think Dave agrees with me, is I love Popovich. I think he's the best coach. I think he's the best coach in NBA history. I'm not sure where you stand with that. Um, What he did with those teams, the way he led those teams, they had a system that only certain players could play there. Now that I think, Duncan himself could have played anywhere, uh, but just a phenomenal player, basically unstoppable. His turnaround, bank shot, the way he used the glass, he was just a great player. And it's a shame to see him retire, but I think he still could have played, to be honest with you. What do you think? I, I think he could have played, but toward, I mean, towards the end, the last season, he was pretty banged up. Uh, until the playoffs, the uh, the last title run was the last title run that they went on, and that uh, you know the la- that three finals in a row against the uh, the two finals in a row against the Heat, he was just unreal down the stretch in some of those. Uh, I mean, he's a game six roll away from having back to back titles at age thirty five and thirty six. Um, heartbreaker that was. Yeah, he's he and he in big games, you know, really, really really turned it up at the end of his career. I mean, it was clear that he was just holding himself back through regular seasons, but it makes sense. He was, you know, a guy who at his peak was a 25 and 12 guy who'd also block three shots a night, pick up a few assists, you know, just a perfect fundamental player, the perfect chess piece to do with pretty much anything because of the fact that he was just a rare blend of athleticism, mobility, basketball smarts, and fundamental and fundamentals all in one package. Like, just an absolute... He, he is what you draw up to be the perfect power forward ever. Has all, yeah. the, has all the Kale's moves and all of Garnett's defense. Yeah, it's so true. He's just... I mean, he like, exactly. You, you think of a basketball player as a power forward and what you would want him to have. And Tim Duncan is it. And then the funny thing is, it's like he wasn't an explosive athlete. He was just a great player. I mean, he was, he was a great athlete. He was a good athlete. But, you know, he wasn't jumping out of the gym. He wasn't... You know, he wasn't Akeem Olajuwon with his dream step and such like that, but he was just a phenomenal player. And he played four years in college, which you just you don't see anymore. He, you know, he played at Wake Forest, and that draft was the the draft that the Boston Celtics tried to tank and had the worst record and didn't win it. 
and he went to San Antonio, and the rest is history. But at the end of these, I usually like to throw in a, a random question that I don't say and I don't tell you guys beforehand. I do this with Dave all the time. But rank me your top five all-time power forwards. Obviously, Timmy won. Tim Duncan's number one. Kevin Garnett's the number two. Uh, Charles Barkley is the third best I've seen. Okay. Um, I didn't see the peak of Kevin McHale's career, but I saw enough of him to know that he's also up there for me. Mm-hmm. And the fifth guy I'm going to have to think about for a second, because I mean, those four are the four that I know off the, off the top of my head that I, I am, am really, you know, I think are cut above. Uh, Hmm. Who's the fifth one? It's not Chris. It's not Chris Bosh. I can tell you that. And Bosh is okay. a very good player, but it's not him. Uh, you are forgetting a biggie, and I, I can say it if you'd like. And if it's he's your fifth, then he's your yeah. fifth. Yeah. Uh, Carl Malone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, okay. absolutely. Just off the top, you know, you t- you took me off uh, off guard, but Malone is another player like uh, you know like Ewing, whose ability to win a title which he probably would have would it was uh, totally destroyed by the existence of Michael Jordan. Do you think anybody playing now could ever break that that into that top 5? Anybody playing right now at the at the at the moment? Um yeah. Kristaps Porzingis. Okay. That's a good shout. It's a very good shout. I mean, there's yeah. there's other guys. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki is also on the precipice of that top five too. Yeah, I was gonna say he was my next. He's my mm-hmm. next guy. I was saying. I'm surprised. I would put him in over McHale, um, but that's just me personally. The rest of your list, I completely agree with. I love Kevin Garnett, one of my all time favorite players. Um, I love guys who play with heart, uh, and they're not just heart players. They're actually incredibly talented and they're great basketball players. And he was one. Um, so before we go, I did want to bring up one more thing because this, it was just voted on today. But did you see that they passed the new um, tanking rule, basically draft rule, so you can't tank anymore? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, do you think it makes? Do you think it makes sense though? Does it kind of make the better teams stay better? I don't think it makes the better. I, I think it doesn't. I don't know that it makes the better teams stay better. What I think it is, is I think it's incentive to just try to put out a better product for fans if you're going to be bad. Because, like, there's this scandalously, you know, cynical approach that, like, look, as as much as you don't want to maybe potentially admit it to Sixers, what they did was, you know, it's really cynical. Oh, I, I admit yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cynical. And, and you don't really want that. You want teams to kind of at least make a good faith approach towards putting something together that isn't awful. So I think it makes sense in that regard. Um, but I think that the reason that they passed it this way was for a very different reason for NBA owners because a lot of NBA teams have hated the fact that, you know, if for Western Conference teams, one gate a year, and for Eastern Conference teams, gate teams, two gates a year, that the Sixers were on their schedule because they would have trouble tickets, moving tickets to those games. Yep. Uh, they, they didn't want a revenue share with the Sixers who were doing everything they can and used every single salary cap loophole trick to just get themselves to the floor every single year. Like they weren't even trying to field a team that would get to the floor. They just used a bunch of deadline tricks to yeah. get their average. Set. So like teams didn't want to, yeah, that's yeah. That's and blatantly doing it. Teams didn't want to subsidize, teams didn't want to subsidize that via revenue sharing. So if like from an ownership perspective, as much as I like to, you know, think that these, that a lot of the NBA is greed based on accounting tricks, cause that's how a lot of owners run their books. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that, uh, I, I get why the owners voted that way. Uh, I don't really think that it'll, I don't really think fundamentally it's going to change too much as teams are still going to try to, you know, they're going to take a 9% less chance, but a team that's still just trying to get themselves into the lottery is still going to try to get themselves into the lottery. Yeah, I, I I actually totally agree with that. I don't like the fourteen fourteen fourteen, um, but it, like you said, I, I don't. It's a, it makes for a bad product. I mean, we had to sit for four years of just like you said, those weren't NBA teams. Those were, you know, they were like lower league teams, like the like the the D like the NBA DL league. You know what I mean? It's just it was just garbage out there. And I went to some of those games. I had season tickets. I, I still have partial season now. Um, maybe I guess in hindsight I should have kept the full season, but what are you gonna do? So, all right. Um, but I get what you want to want. I, I get why you wouldn't want to pay for that. 
Yeah, so you understand. I mean, it makes sense. Like, why exactly? Why would I want to? Like, why would I want to watch just Drek? Like, that makes no sense. You know, it's just it's crap. So, before I let you go, I know you probably have stuff to plug, but before that, I'm gonna throw you with another question because I know Justin loves baseball a lot, and the playoffs are coming upon us. So, I need World Series predictions and World Series winners, man. And I need them from you now. Um, I, I know that my baseball podcast partner will hate me for this one, but I, <laughs> but I think the Cubs are going back. They're too hot. They are way too hot right now. They can't pitch, but they can sock every. No team in baseball right now can pitch outside the Dodgers. But the Cubs are just so hot that it's uh, it's giving me the feeling that they have the look of the hotter team going in because the Dodgers kind of stumbled through September. Uh, I think I think part of it was knowing that you know they're a hunt, they're gonna win a hundred games and be in, but I think that the Cubs and the, it's gonna be the Cubs or the Dodgers out of the NL. But I think I'm still going with the uh, the Cubs. I think the Indians uh, probably. I, I don't want to say that I think it's gonna be destined for a repeat of last year's World Series, but I, I I think I'm really on that predictive track at the moment. Okay, and who wins? Cleveland. Nobody. No, so good. Outside, outside, maybe the Dodgers if they get there. Nobody is going through a one-two of Kluber and Carrasco twice mm. and winning. I, I, I agree with you there. I, I just, I don't know how that's possible. And the way they've, the way they ended their season is kind of how, basically what maybe not as hot as the Cubs, but damn near close to it. Oh no, they were, they were they were they were hotter. I mean, they had a tw- they had the longest winning streak in American League history. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, they just didn't lose. So and they haven't really lost since it ended, too. They're 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 an no, incredible they're team. <laughs> yeah, they're still winning, and they got guys who are starting pitchers are just moving into the bullpen. So it's it's nice to have that um, wealth of pitching. But before I let you go, do you have anything to plug? I I, um, I don't really have anything to plug at the moment. Armando and I will probably do a seventh inning stretch, uh, you know, probably pretty soon towards the beginning of the playoffs. Uh, check in on him psychologically before his Dodgers go into battle again. Um, I'm basically right now just trying to lead the uh, Fire Terry Collins uh, fan club in New York. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only person on that boat, so it should be a pretty interesting uh, offseason for the Mets. But other than that, I would also just say, uh, I, I, you know, I, I had fun with this tonight, and I would actually tell anybody who's listening to this, uh, obviously I already listened to this show, but uh, keep listening because these two are they are good about basketball. I appreciate that, man. You're going to be on a lot. Um, so I hope you guys like hearing Justin and hear his opinions. And, again, you've already heard him on a lot of other shows. But for me, it's just um, I made a – me and Dave made a Twitter account so people can follow it, uh, at Holes NBA, just the NBA Holes. So if people – if you guys like the show, share it. Uh, the audio, having an audience is great. Um, it's nice just to talk to Justin and Dave too, but having an audience is really cool to interact. I think it's fun. So follow that. And my second plug is just um, Guy Drinkle. It's just Guy Drinkle and nothing but Guy Drinkle. He is our – he is my main editor. So that is my second plug. And on that note, I will see you next week with – episode 13 of the NBA holes. And as I say, at the end of every one of these, if you do nothing else in life, trust the process. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.